Now, in my experience, growth usually comes from a source of pain or discomfort, which pushes you to try something new or interrupt an old behavior simply because you come to realize that the pain of remaining the same, of remaining who you are and where you are, is far greater than the discomfort it's going to take for you to change and try something new. My intention for this show is to inspire growth within you. So if you want to familiarize yourself with the journey many have taken to drastically change their lives, this is the place to be. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Grow With Moin podcast. I am your host, Moin Zuffer, and today I have with me Alex Williams. Alex is the first guy I'm having on here who actually has two podcasts. He is the owner of Nightworthy. Alex and I met uh, just a couple of weeks back. Alex, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I love, I love guesting on shows because I get to see how other podcasters do their thing. Yeah, for sure, man. I, I love that aspect of it too. Um, so the first question I like to put out, it's uh, if you were a superhero and let's say your company, Nightworthy, is your superpower and your two podcasts are your other two superpowers, what is your origin story? Oh, what would be my origin story? Yeah. I feel like something like epic involving a microphone would have to have happened. Uh-huh. Maybe maybe I was recording a podcast or something and and like my mic exploded or and then it like gave me podcasting powers and uh and I think specifically my superpower would be the ability to record everything I do and say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, so let's start with the podcast. How and when and why did you start uh, your first podcast? Yeah, so my first podcast was My Wax Museum. I started it, I think I recorded my first episode January 2018. Mm. So almost three years ago um, by the time of this recording. And it was an effort of self-improvement. I have always been a wildly poor listener. Mm. Uh, I've always been more interested in me speaking than hearing anyone else speaking, me sharing my ideas rather than hearing anyone else's. And I just kind of realized, I'm like, I suck. <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, I decided that I should um, work on that. And I had also had the interest in in podcasting. I had a a friend, Kyle Marshall, who does podcasting. And I said, maybe I'll give that a try. And so I decided podcasting would be a good medium. And so I sat down and I just asked my buddy, Seth Payne. I asked him uh, questions about his life. And I just forced myself to just sit and listen and, and not interrupt. So that's ultimately why I started it was just to improve my listening skills. Mm, Gotcha. So, well, let me be the, um, if, if you haven't heard it before, I'll be the first to tell you that I think your listening skills have improved. I don't know what they were, but I've been on both of your shows and you're a really good listener. So whatever you. you've worked on, it's, uh, it's improved quite a lot. I appreciate that. I've, uh, I've definitely, uh, put, put in the effort. Uh, I think we're, I've recorded a hundred episodes now of my wax museum. And Congrats. so, I mean, if I if I hadn't improved, <laughs> it'd be a problem. <laughs> yep, and uh, I think you also touched on something very important, which is about listening. 
And whether it's a podcast or an interview or not, just in general, when you're meeting people, I think being a good listener is a very important asset. And it, it makes, it just has a sort of a counterintuitive effect. It makes you more interesting to the other person because you're hearing their story. It is interesting how that works, eh? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you've recorded a hundred episodes now for, for your My Vax Museum. Um, mm-hmm. So when you first started, what were some of your biggest challenges and how did you come about like tackling those challenges when you first started? I mean, of course, the biggest challenge was my own self, was the ability to just ask questions and not chime in with, oh, like that relates to a story of my own. I remember sitting there and just reminding myself over and over and over again uh, to just let them speak, let them speak, and then just ask another question. I don't need to share a whole travel log about my whole experience with that and try and relate and maybe in maybe an ineffective way. Um, so that was like a personal challenge that I had that I'm sure other podcasters have had to deal with as well. As far as technical challenges go, uh, equipment was a tough one. I started recording with just a, like a lapel mic and I would hook us up and we would sit there and we'd record that way. And um, the, the audio quality wasn't great. And then I didn't know how to edit. And sometimes I would do too much noise reduction and then it sounded like we were talking through a tube. And so it was just kind of this whole balance of working personally on becoming a better host, as well as working to become a more effective editor. Yeah. And I think one thing that I want to point out too, is that, that you can be like a, different types of an interviewer, right? Mm-hmm. Like you said, if you can just answer, uh, ask questions. Like if you just finish and I would just uh, continue with the next question without any giving any feedback, you can be that type of interviewer or you can chime in the little bits just to have that connection. And I think um, there's a balance of it that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. If- I, I mean, I one thing that I have done as I've worked on the show is that now sometimes more than I used to, I will chime in and I might share a little bit of a story because I've, you know, I kind of went to the extreme of just asking the questions. And then now sometimes I'll chime in a little bit more because you're, you're exactly right. And I think it depends on the message your show has. Yeah. And ultimately it's your show too, right? And, and you're technically the brand. And yeah, I just wanted to point that out to if, if there's someone starting and they're, and they're confused about, how really to portray themselves. Just know that it comes with practice. Like you said, you were on the other end of just asking questions and now you're sort of finding your middle ground and everyone has their own, uh, I think, perfect point, which is cool. So family is important. And so in terms of family, when you said you wanted to start a podcast what was it like with like your close circle around you were they supportive was there challenges that yeah okay so this is this is really interesting and this is something that i think about a lot and i imagine a lot of other creative people have similar experiences so for me i was like yeah i'm gonna start this podcast it's gonna be cool blah 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 I think it took a while before anyone in my family ever listened to a single episode. I mean, I've been doing this for almost three years and probably two months ago, my brother told me, he's like, 
yeah, I started listening to My Wax Museum. And uh, he's like, it's really good. And, you, you know, <laughs> interesting stories from people. And so it just kind of cracks me up. I did have a lot of support from other friends. Uh, my friend Seth, he was my first guest. Insanely supportive guy. You know, this, this guy is, is somebody that if he needed me tonight, I would drive the 10 hours to go and help him wow. tonight, you know, um, because we're there for each other. So I do have really supportive friends. Um, but most of my initial guests were other people from the creative community, whether they were from the Calgary YouTubers community or they were podcasters themselves. Like I mentioned, Kyle Marshall was a big inspiration for me. He was one of my first guests, right? Um, and so it was a challenge to kind of get that going. Um, and and now I think they're a lot more supportive now that they kind of see, okay, this has been going on for three years. He does a good job. He He does some of this for work. And he's met interesting people doing it. So maybe, you know, maybe it's worth supporting. So support's always tough to find, but there are going to be a few people uh, for anybody starting a podcast who will, who will be there for you. You just have to kind of, you know, uh, get them out and, and see who they are. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that's important and good that you pointed out that no, what type of people are around you and then choose who you want to have a longer relationship with. And yeah. those are the people that are going to help you grow with your dreams and whatnot. So one question that I do get asked a lot myself, and I'm sure you have as well is for people who are looking to start a podcast, their number one question is, or people who are just even curious, like how do you find guests? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's, that's, a, that's an interesting question because it really depends what your podcast is about. For me, the whole point of My Wax Museum is that I have to know that person before I interview them on the show. So like with you, for example, Moin, I invited you onto My Wax Museum only after we had recorded a Broken Bulbs episode together mm. because, okay, now we've had a conversation. I know you. I want to hear more about your personal story. So I'll invite you on My Wax Museum. A lot of the guests I have on My Wax Museum, it's the first and only podcast they have ever been on or will ever be on. And so I just kind of ask people if I meet somebody and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I have a podcast and would be interested in hearing your story. Sometimes I just come right out and ask, right? Mm -hmm. Um a lot of the time it's roommates i've interviewed most of i've interviewed most of the roommates i've ever had because they're they're people i spend a lot of time with and i'd like to get to know them better then with broken bulbs it's it's different because i'm looking for creative people for entrepreneurs people who are out there um doing interesting things so i can source a lot differently a lot of the time I will go uh, and and find them from my professional life, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of them I meet through the podcasting community, right? A lot of them I'll meet on like matchmaker.com, for example, is one I use a lot uh, where I'll, you can, you can find a whole ton of people on there and uh, kind of find experts. So if you're looking for experts, I mean, go out and, and find them out. If you're just looking for conversations, really maybe consider the people just around you, um, and, and see if you can draw an interesting story out of them. 
Yeah, that's perfect. I think that's how I started as well. I reached out first within my own network with friends that were doing what I thought were creative and interesting things and brought them on. And then you sort of get the wheel rolling. So really cool. So uh, you mentioned broken bulbs and your wax museum. So we're going to clarify a little bit more uh, what the idea behind both of them are. So I want to first talk about my wax museum. So what's the idea behind the name? What was the inspiration? Yeah, so um, the the idea is when I started it, I was really in this mentality of, you know, I'm I'm moving through life and I'm collecting these different different things that identify with my personality, right? And I was thinking, you know, at the end of my life, especially if I keep all of these things, um, I've gotten rid of a lot of things over the past few years. But if I kept all of these things, you could, you know, make a whole museum about my life, you could probably do it with anybody's life. You could just mm. take their stuff and tell a story. Okay, so Moyne really liked this book. You could make a whole museum about it and talk about, you know, write essays about your life experience and why this stuffed animal was important to you or why this uh, jar mattered and, you know, the, your favorite foods, whatever. And um, My Wax Museum comes from the idea that, well, these would be the people in the museum of my life. These would be the the people who made me who I am, even if it's just the briefest of interactions. These would be the individuals that I would put in there as they had some sort of impact on me, even if it was just that one conversation. So that's that's ultimately where the name comes from. Yeah, really cool. I like the idea of um, looking back eventually, and then you have a whole museum of characters to go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that really catches the imagination. Okay, cool. And so your second podcast, Broken Bulbs. So why did you think about starting a second podcast? And uh, what's the inspiration behind the name? Yeah, so I actually, uh, between My Wax Museum and Broken Bulbs, I actually started a few a few more podcasts in there um, that we, we don't need to jump into all of them <laughs> today. Uh, most of them are still going. One of them is canceled. Um, but I just really got into the medium of podcasting. I just saw that, you know, I really enjoy having these conversations with people. I love meeting interesting people. Uh, my wax museum was really cool because I wasn't meeting new people, but I was getting to know the people I'd already met. And, Mm. and that was fantastic. Then I had other ideas that I wanted to implement other ways that I thought I could take advantage of this really cool medium of podcasting. And it was, you know, simple to start. I already had the mics, I was already doing the editing, and I wanted to try a few different things. Then as far as Broken Bulbs goes, I started it because I was having conversation with a buddy of mine, Joe Sim, and I was asking him, you know, I was like, why don't we talk about our failures more? And I do think... Mm -hmm. This, this is coming out a little bit more. There are a few different failure cultures, right? Uh, where sometimes it's glorified, sometimes it's celebrated, sometimes it's kind of, you know, shunned and hidden a little bit. Kind of just depends uh, what culture you're existing in. Um, but with Broken Bulbs, I thought, how about like just a nice dose of humor, failure, get a good lesson out of it, and just a nice dose of that Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and uh, I, I thought, okay, that would be fantastic. On top of that, 
I could use it as a tool for content marketing, which is what I do for work. That's my job. And so I thought, well, that would be good content marketing for my own business too. So it kind of has this mix of content marketing for me, as well as learning from these interesting and experienced people. I've gotten so many cool stories. And even though the podcast hasn't started yet, I've already started implementing them thinking, oh, you know, so-and-so mentioned this. I should, I should probably apply that in this situation. And, uh, and, and so it's all just a learning experience, all just something that I enjoy and hopefully something that I can use as a multifaceted tool to move my career and my personal life forward. Yeah. Um, I think I love the idea of highlighting mistakes Mm-hmm. And I think it's um, like you said recently that there's a there's a culture that that came up that focused on failures, but mostly in generally um, social media in general. When you when you go and when you look through, you feel like you only see the best parts and the positives, and it's always uh, seems to me you know it sort of brings you down in a way. And, and, and so like focusing on the failures and actually like posting something like, oh, I sucked at this, which you don't like see a lot. Um, I think it will be a good way to like attract people and like get them curious and interested and just, you know, make them feel good. So yeah, really, really love that idea. And I enjoyed yeah. being on the podcast too. <laughs> yeah. I loved having you on. We had, we had a fantastic conversation, so I can't wait for those episodes to come out. Yeah, me too. So one thing uh, that's important and it's practices. So you said you've improved, uh, you know, since you started. Um, what practices did you take on since you started to keep you sharp and, and keep you focused on getting better? Hmm. Yeah, I think, I think the biggest thing that I've done has been experimentation, has been mm-hmm. listening to another podcast and thinking, okay, so how did they do that? Or why did they cut it there? Or what is this? And so I've had the opportunity because my wax museum is pretty basic, right? I Mm -hmm. sit down, I have this conversation. Right now it's a half hour interview is what I'm doing. And then after that, I go through, cut, cut, cut. You know, I make sure it sounds nice. I do a little bit of noise reduction depending on the environment of the recording. But it's really basic, really linear, right? Well, and then... I've tried other things where it's not so linear. There was one podcast that I uh, did for a class. It was for a professor. They paid me as a teacher's assistant to work on the simulation for them. And I got to experiment and try out this different way. If you've ever listened to the podcast Freakonomics, that's probably the best example of this style where it's kind of interviews or multiple interviews kind of intercut together to get the answers we're looking for to tell a narrative. And I did that with this episode. And you kind of, uh, I mean, the the video of it, it took me hours and hours and hours to edit. And uh, I, I actually did a screen recording because I wanted to see what this progression looked like. And I'm moving things around and I'm adding in this interviewee's track and I'm moving this and I'm taking the best bits and I'm like, ah, well, they didn't say that quite right. Okay, well, they answered this question, but I didn't ask it. So then I asked the question and, you know, I just did all this additional editing. And so it's really experimentation, experimentation, experimentation. Just try new things. If you, you know, if you want to do a certain podcast, 
go out and just make one. Just just try one and see how the editing goes and just try a few new things. And from there, you'll I think you'll improve your storytelling abilities, right? Because that's what editing is. It's yeah. you know how you ultimately tell the story, right? You captured the story, but now you need to tell it. And so that's why, you know, I love editing and I'm probably uh, talking a little bit, a little bit much about it, but I think that's the biggest place you can experiment um, in podcasting. Yeah, I think that's definitely um, very insightful because now that I think about it, I, I felt that when, when I did my editing, it like, first of all, it gives you like a second chance to listen to how the conversation went, but now you're not in the conversation, you're just observing it. And so you get to see where you can ask probably better questions or how you can improve yourself or um, how the interview uh, did in, in them answering the question. And so that to me has been like really important, the editing part. And it's kind of um, neat to hear you say that that really helped you too. And um, yeah, if, if anyone wants to start a podcast, like learn how to edit it. <laughs> it's, it's not the, I don't think it's very hard now that I've done it for a while. I think anyone can learn to do it. But yeah, that, that aspect of it, like being that involved with the, with the project will help you become a better speaker, an interviewer, or whatever it is that you want to be. If there's something that you really want to do and you don't have a conversation about it with someone who's actually done it, it's going to be a very difficult path. And that's something that I've learned through my experiences, you know, of writing a best-selling book, of starting and failing at a business, of starting this podcast and learning how to interview and be interviewed on other podcasts. And so I want to tell you that I had help. I had a lot of help to get to where I am today. And I want to offer that back to you. Everything that I've learned through my experiences, hundreds of hours of personal development and having something in mind and actually going out and doing it, I want to offer that back to you. So if there's something that you really want to do and you think I can help you out with that, reach out to me and book this 30-minute call. It's absolutely free. There's no commitment and I'm not going to sell you anything here. All I'm doing is seeing if there's any way I can add as much value to your life as I can. So if you're interested in that, click that link and let's start talking about your dreams. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely true. And actually, to that point, you mentioned listening back through and considering how you can improve your own interviewing skills. That's a huge thing. I actually, so I'm editing, my sister has a podcast and I'm editing her podcast. And what I actually do, I have her listen to the raw interview. Mm. And I say, this, this is how you interview. And she's actually really good. I'm thoroughly impressed by her interviewing skills. But I have her listen through the raw interview so that she can consider, oh, I say that word a lot. Or, mm. oh, I do this. Or, I, you know, I said this. Maybe that wasn't that sensitive to the guest. Maybe I should listen better. And, and she, because of that, she's improved her listening skills, even though I'm the one doing the editing. Yeah, that's certainly um, helpful. Have you ever had, um, like when you're listening back, things that make you cringe that you said? I certainly, when oh. I listen, sometimes I'm like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, all the time, man. It's like when I, <laughs> I listen back and one, I'm like, uh, the audio quality is not great. I had one friend listen 
I, I told her about my podcast. So she went to the first episode, which I mean, I think was a good interview, right? I think I got some interesting stories from Seth and stuff, but my skills just weren't there. I hardly did any editing, if any, and the audio quality was garbage. So she came back to me and she's like, yeah, it was fine. I'm like, mm-hmm. what? which one did you listen to? And she said, oh, I listened to your first podcast. I'm like, why? I'm like, no, 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 come, come, come listen to the one that I published yesterday, okay? Listen to that one and then, you know, give me your opinion. And now she listens regularly because, oh, okay, things have improved. Um, but I do that all the time. I tend to say, right, right, right. When I'm interviewing <laughs> someone, they'll, they'll give their answer and I'll say, right, right, right. As I'm buffering another question in my head, trying yeah. to process what they said, instead of just kind of letting it be silent and thinking, okay, so tell me more about that. You know, I, I just say, right, right, right. Or interesting, interesting. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Always <laughs> three, three, three times. It's either interesting, fascinating, or right. Uh, that's my, <laughs> that's my greatest uh, struggle. And I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Yeah, I think mine was, I used to say like a lot. And then I think it was over a course of a few episodes, I kept finding it. I was like, still, oh my God, I don't even notice it sometimes. And I think it's a good way to catch yourself and and to improve your speech if you want, but it's also fun. (laughs) And sometimes I wouldn't even listen to myself because I knew I wouldn't like it. But that's the fun thing. If, If you've done this for a while, you can compare between, like you said, your first episode and the one that you released recently and see how much you've improved. And if you don't think you've improved, then there's something that you need to work on for sure. Yeah, it is incredible to be able to look back and see that improvement. And it's almost a practice of being more honest with yourself Mm. because you sit there and you listen, you listen to the real you, not the voice inside your head, not the thing that you think you are, but you listen to the actual person coming into the microphone yeah. and you get a better idea of how the rest of the world listens to you and you hopefully improve your com- communication skills by, by going through that very arduous process because listen, nobody likes the sound of their own voice, <laughs> not, not on a recording. Everybody likes it when it's coming out of their mouth. Nobody likes it when it's entering yeah. their ear through headphones. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So nights worthy or night worthy is something that I'm really curious about. And, um, tell me, tell me, tell me about night worthy. How did it start? What's it about where it's going? Yeah. So this is, this is really funny to me. It's kind of in my head, almost this, this this brand from a younger Alex. You know, we are so often saddled with these things that our younger selves decide, you know, that's a that's a great idea. And for me, when it initially started, I actually wanted to make a writing website. I wanted to make a place where people could share their, you know, short stories, that kind of thing, right? And I did a little bit of that. I even had a had a short story contest on it. I think I was Oh, probably 16, 17, maybe. I don't know. Uh, and then it it kind of evolved from there to become just this general overarching brand. 
for everything that I do. If you go to the nightworthy.com website now, you'll find links to mechoradio.com. Mecco Radio, of course, is the kind of podcasting that I do. That's the, the home for all of that. And then you'll find a link to williamsredlich.com, which as of recording isn't up quite yet, but that's the content marketing that I do for small businesses. And so it's kind of become this overarching brand. The word nightworthy itself, the idea is, you know, it's worthy, like it's quality, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's well-made. And of course, this is going off of the modern idea of what a chivalrous knight was, not the actual, you know, chivalric code, right? But this is kind of the idea that it's it's good, it's healthy, it's inspiring, it's interesting, it's engaging, and and it's and it's worthy. It's worth it. That's where it ultimately comes down to. Were you really into knights when you were 16? No, actually Okay, so this is kind of a behind-the-scenes story. Of course, it sounds like really good when it's like, ah, oh, it's inspiring and it's <laughs> blah, 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 right, however you want to say it. But uh, behind the scenes, really, I wanted to call it writeworthy because I w- I wanted it to be this writing website, and then uh, and then writeworthy was taken, and so I was like, wow, well, nightworthy that that rhymes right, and uh, then I'm like, and it sounds like a cool last name too. So it's really just like the the domain was available almost kind of thing so it's uh it's certainly not as inspiring as one might want it to be it's mm. it ultimately just i was there <laughs> yeah, yep and for anyone who's listening if you have a really cool name be sure to see if it's available <laughs> yeah yeah and have backup <laughs> names um so speaking of um you know uh, when you were younger what advice would you give to yourself now if you were you know, talking to that 16-year-old version of you? Hmm. Relax. Relax, <laughs> man. Uh, <laughs> my 16-year-old Alex really thought he was you know, going to be something. And mm. I, I still think... I think my perspective of what it means to be something has changed. So yeah, I think, I think relax, you know, the things that you think are the end all be all, not that important. Just mm. relax, just roll with it. You know, be nice to people. It's all you need. It's all you need. All right. Love it. All right. So we've talked about a bit about your, your work and your professional side now we'll jump into a different avenue. So, and this will delve into, could be personal, could not, could not be, depends on what you decide to share. Uh, what's the most spontaneous thing you've done this year? Though this year, hmm, spontaneous thing I've done this year. Oh, I know. <laughs> so earlier this year, of course, it's 2020. Uh, so COVID, I think, has made a lot of people maybe do some spontaneous things. Mm. So I, I was at my brother's place. I was working. I was doing some video editing. And then I was also listening to the news. And Justin Trudeau comes on and he's talking about whatever. And he's like, yeah, we've reached an agreement with the U.S. We're going to close the border tonight at 12 p.m. or 12 a.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. 
or Eastern daylight time, whatever daylight savings is dumb. There's, there's my little, uh, dig there, <laughs> but whatever time it was Eastern time, 12 AM border closed, right? This is like middle of March, right? The 20th or 16th or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was back home in Canada. My new semester of school was starting on uh, mid-April. And I was like, oh, dang, if the border closes and I can't get back down, I've got to, like, then I can't do this practicum. And if I can't do this practicum in time, then I won't be able to graduate on time. And it'll just kind of mess up all of my plans. And so it was probably... 1 1 p.m. and I called I called the border and I said hey so will I be able to cross if if uh if the border closes I have my student visa and everything and they're like yeah we haven't heard anything we don't know what the new rules are going to be so we can't promise that you'll you know be even allowed to request entry right mm. they didn't know what the rules were going to be if students were going to be allowed to cross or not and so I said Okay, that's super helpful. Then I had to call the doctor, cancel an appointment, be like, hey, can we do it this way? You know, can I come back later? Whatever, right? I went through, I made these phone calls, and within an hour, I was back at my great aunt's place where where I had been living between semesters and throwing all my things in my car and saying sayonara and driving across the border uh, just a couple hours later. I peaced out. And I left. And then when I got down, I I got to Rexburg. That's where I am currently. I got to Rexburg, Idaho, around three in the morning. A friend of mine left his door unlocked so that I could <laughs> hop in and sleep when I got there. But yeah, that was that was probably the most spontaneous thing I've done all year, which I'm sure other people have similar stories thanks to the pandemic. Yeah, that's pretty spontaneous and mm-hmm. well done. I think you you left at a good time. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. I got out. Yeah. Okay. So what's the biggest risk you've ever taken? And do you regret taking that risk? Biggest risk I've ever taken. That's tough because I'm still young. So I feel like risk is kind of a relative thing like things that felt like big risks at the time. Now that I'm older, I look back and I say, that wasn't, wasn't a big risk. I guess, I guess probably the biggest risk I've ever taken since it is relative. And since it is current is deciding to quit school and become full-time self-employed. Um, I guess that's a, that's a pretty big risk. And that's just past the past few months. I was kind of pushed into that in in some ways because despite me crossing the border spontaneously Mm. my graduation plan did get messed up and and got pushed back and uh and so instead of spending an extra whole year at school trying to get the degree that i was going for i decided well i'm already self-employed if i just go full steam ahead on that then you know then i'll i'll be fine and so that's probably the biggest risk I've ever taken is uh, right now headed in that direction. Yeah, that's a big leaf. Any regrets so far? Um, no, I, I'm not. I'm not too much of one to think about regrets. I do think that there are things that I will miss out on. But when you open one door, a million other doors close. 
when you close one door, a million other doors open. It's just, there's always going to be more opportunity. I'm only 24. There's, you know, there's a big wide world out there. And so I'm not too worried about it. And I think I, I'm very fortunate and privileged to be able to say that, to be able to say like, oh, there are lots of opportunities because I know other people aren't in that circumstance. Yeah. So yeah, frankly, I don't, I don't think, I don't think I'm qualified to have regrets really. I, I think I live a pretty fortunate life. Yeah. Pretty bald statement, not qualified to have regrets. <laughs> I like it. Okay. So speaking of the future and, and opportunities and possibilities, what does this future look like for you in the next three to five years? What do you see developing and happening? Three to five years. Well, I, I'm going to be for the next year working my tail off doing content marketing. I already have a few clients enough to uh, get by and, and live my life. Uh, so I'll be working on collecting more of those and, and mm. helping small businesses with, with their content needs and their marketing needs so that they can communicate their message to their audience. But other than that, I'd really like to do a lot more travel since most of what I do can be done remotely. Yep. I, I plan to, once things kind of open back up again, I'd like to go to Europe, travel around there, hopefully continue this idea of people meeting. I'd like to go to towns and, and talk to the individuals there and learn about their culture and stuff. Rather than being a tourist, I'd like to go and go and talk to people and, and kind of uh, engage with, with their culture and hopefully learn something from them. Yeah. Do you ever think about having your own podcast studio and doing in-person interviews at some point? I would love that. That is a dream. Ultimately, yeah, I would love to have a studio. I'd love to have a place where I can film, where I can uh, interview people, where I can just sit and do that. Obviously, as you can see, if anybody watches this on video, you know, I'm in my room. My bed's right behind me. My roommate's bed is right there in the corner. You know, it's it it's really uh, I mean, pretty typical for podcasters, I guess. Eh? Yeah. But uh, I I would love to have like a proper studio and be able to share it with people too, because I like I'm doing that all day, every day, right? So I I think that would be that'd be the dream, man. Yeah. In-person experience uh, is a whole another level, right? Totally is. And it could work. You know, you could travel, take your mics with you, like get a room and have people, meet people there. The, the fun thing with Zoom is that you can be anywhere. Like you're in the States, I'm in Canada, and we can just have an interview, right? Yeah. The, the in-person thing would be fun too. Yeah. Yeah. It would be fantastic. Someday, man. And then, and then we can chat in person. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. All right. So we're reaching the end of our time together. So before we go, what one message from the heart to the audience, what would you like to say? Um, same advice I would give my younger self. Relax. Chill out. <laughs> Chill out. You know, I think we make a big deal about a lot of things. Um, and as much as I admire the, the fiery, the hardworking, the idealistic kind of energy that so many people I know and love have, I, I also have a great appreciation for the calm, 
cool, collected, just, you know, hey, this thing happened. What are we going to do about it? You know, I think I think it can be a lot more effective and maybe maybe a mixture of those two. But yeah, I'd say I'd say relax. Take it easy. Life goes on. Focus on you, your family, the people you love around you. Make sure they're okay. And I think if if everybody does that, I mean, then everybody's okay, right? Yeah, very solid advice. Much needed these days too. And obviously easier said than done, but it's still it's still true. It's still true. All right. So where can people find you? Anything you would like to promote? Go ahead. Okay. Well, I guess, I mean, people can find me, obviously go to nightworthy.com. That is K-N-I-G-H-T-W-O-R-T-H-Y.com. Um, and yeah, you can find everything that I do there. The two biggest things right now, of course, Mecco Radio. If you go to meccoradio.com, that's where you're going to find all the podcasting that I do and also that my siblings do because I've managed to rope a few of them into that. <laughs> And, uh, and then you can also through there shortly, the website will be up williamsredlich.com. Uh, you'll be able to find the, the content marketing that I do on there and the work that I do for small businesses. So yeah, I'd be delighted to connect with anybody, Twitter, Facebook. Actually, I don't really use Facebook. So just Instagram, mm. uh, yeah, wherever I'm always down for a chat. So let's connect. Yeah. Awesome, man. Sounds exciting. Thank you again for being on the show and sharing all your experiences. Loved having you, man. Thank you, Moin. This was fantastic. And I look forward to that in-person conversation, hopefully sooner than later. Yeah, me too. Me too. Take care, man. Thanks. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in to this edition of the Grow With Moon podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to my show so that you don't miss a future episode. Feel free to leave a rating, a comment. If you want to follow me on social media, my Instagram is the Grow With Moon podcast. Once again, thank you and enjoy the rest of your day.